Amen, amen. Let's clap our hands to the Lord one more time. Give him praise. I'm so thankful for who he is. Amen. How many are thankful for what the Lord is doing in this place today? I, I never take it for granted the grace and mercy of the Lord. Always reminded that it's by his grace and mercy that I even stand here and am present with you today. The other day, and just to tap into the vein of which your pastor had begun, and I will give him and this pastoral team honor in just a moment, but want to tap in with what you said. You know, it's, it's often that God gives us reminders of who he is. God loves to reveal who he is to us. He is, after all, our heavenly father and loves to always show us a little more of himself with each and every day. Not all the time do I like what he has to say, but certainly it is necessary for my life. The situation in my life, ongoing, in which the temptation would be to withhold grace and mercy from another, and God in his infinite wisdom, love, and peace, when I was standing at the front of my church house back home, lifted my voice to him, talking to him, and I just felt a very simple phrase, I've given you so much grace, so much love, and so much mercy. How could you ever withhold it from another? John's words came to me, you must decrease, I must increase. There is something about coming into the presence of God while we feel the sweetness of his presence, the joy of his presence, there is always a challenge to our current state of walking with him. Can you love better? Can you follow me better? Can you walk with me stronger? Can I be your God and you my people? Amen. I believe that today the joy of the Lord is in this place. I feel it, the peace of God in this place. But certainly I want to do as your pastor talked about. When we come into the presence of God, we have to strip away who we are. Every preconceived idea, every notion of who we are, we have to strip it away and say, Lord, you are the only thing that matters. Lord, you are the only thing that matters in my life. Lord, the situations of my life in the grand scheme of things, as big as it seems, Lord, it's nothing compared to you. Lord, the situations of my life that occur at this time, they may seem overwhelming and they may seem large, but Lord, you are the only thing that matters in this moment. I felt that in this place today as we lifted our hands and began to worship and we began to praise. We laid aside some things, some weights, perhaps some sin that easily beset us. We lifted our voice to the Lord and the Lord so graciously gave us his presence in this place. I'm thankful for that. I'm thankful that we do not stand in God's way. I'm grateful that I'm in a church house today. As I told your pastor, I didn't park in the guest parking. When you're family, you don't park in the guest parking. So I didn't park in the guest parking. I feel like I'm at home, so I'm going to preach like I'm at home. Is that okay? I want to give honor to your pastor, your pastoral team. Folks, if I went to Delaware, this is where I'd come to church. I don't just say that, by the way. Now, your pastor would probably kick me out because I'm cantankerous. But this is, where, this is where I would try to come to church. I've never met a more loving group of people, one so willing to take me under their wing. You are blessed to have the pastoral team that you do. I honor them. 
Can we give them a hand clap? Thank you. You also share with me my elders as well. I give you honor today, Brother Moss. And of course, Brother Beardsley, you were there somewhere. I tell you, I meant to give him a little nudge because it's you that brought me here, not elder. So of course, I, that's right. I always remember that too. Why don't we stand for the word of the Lord today? I'm going to be reading somewhat extensively, but I promise you that I am a quick reader and we'll get through it as quickly as possible. I mentioned earlier about not getting in God's way. A lot of that has to do with the kind of faith that we put in God. There are instances in our life where you and I have to have faith in God and then simply step out of the way and let God do what he does best. Say it again. There are times in our life where you and I have to simply put our faith in who God is. The Father that claims to love us, the Father that claims to be our ever-present time of help, we have to put our faith and trust in Him and simply believe that He is and that He is a rewarder of them that diligently seek after Him. In 2 Chronicles chapter 14, we find a very interesting situation that occurs. I love kings. I love to study the kings. I love the history of the kings. One particular king I love more than most, King Asa. How many know who King Asa is? A few people. I'm actually shocked. Not, not too many people know who King Asa is. I have preached from this passage many times. I have reviewed and studied him many times. And so I'm going to read his life to you, and then we'll dig right in. 2 Chronicles chapter 14 reads like this, And Abijah, that's his father, rested with his ancestors and was buried in the city of David. Asa, his son, succeeded him as king. In the days the country was at peace was for ten years. Pretty impressive for a kingdom like that to have peace. Asa did what was good and right in the eyes of the Lord. Thank God. If you read through the Chronicles, you read through the Kings, all of a sudden you will find there's not a whole lot of them that put that together on a consistent basis. So he's starting out really well. Thank God. Verse 3, he removed the foreign altars in the high places, smashed the sacred stones, and cut down the Asherah poles. He commanded Judah to seek the Lord, the God of their ancestors, and to obey his laws and his command. He removed the high places, incense altars in every town in Judah, and the kingdom was at peace under him. Say peace. It was at peace under him. When you do what is right in the eyes of the Lord, he will, from time to time, allow you to experience good peace. There's nothing like serving the Lord. But he said in verse 7, let's build up these towns and put walls around them, towers, gates, and bars. The land is still ours because we have sought the Lord our God. Say because. Because we have sought the Lord our God. We sought him and he has given us rest on every side. So they built and prospered. You may be seated. Today I want to talk about do not get in the way of God. Don't get in God's way. I'm going to continue reading. I let you be seated because I'm going to continue on in verse 8. There's peace and prosperity that comes to Asa and his kingdom at this time because he sought the Lord. He did what was right in the eyes of the Lord and determined in his life to please him. How many people are determined to please the Lord today? 
That's my hope today. I want to please him in everything that I do. But in life, there are going to be moments that come your way that would try to sidetrack you, would try to get you to look to the left or to the right. How many know that to be true? In life, you're going to have situations that come that try to upend you because that is the enemy of your soul's job is to make sure that you don't live in peace, to make sure that you are running and gunning all the time. And sometimes it's not even the Lord. Sometimes it's not even Satan. Sometimes it's this thing we call life. Folks, sometimes life just happens and things happen. In Ace's life, he determined in, within himself to do what was right in the eyes of the Lord. He determined within himself to please the Lord. But as it happens, others saw what he was doing, the prosperity that he was getting, and wanted to make sure that came to a quick and subtle end. And so in verse 8, we read, Asa had an army of 300,000 men from Judah, equipped with large shields and spears, 280,000 from Benjamin, armed with small shields and bows, and they were brave fighting men. And then here it is, Zerah the Cushite marched out against them with an army, folks, it says thousands upon thousands and 300 chariots and came from as far as Marishai. Folks, the number was staggering. The author writes thousands upon thousands. I'm a simple person. I'm not as smart as some of the pastoral staff that's here. So when I look at when it says thousands upon thousands, I take that to mean the joker didn't even bother counting them. Could be wrong, but that's the way I take it. There were so many people that they weren't even counted. Verse 11, Asa did something that you and I need to take note of. We got the number from Asa's army. We know that it was pretty extensive in its own right. But the number that we look at from this army that's coming outnumbers them by great quantity. Folks, it was a bad situation on Asa's part. But this is what Asa says. Asa called to the Lord his God and said, Lord, there is no one like you to help the powerless against the mighty. Church, there is nobody like God to help you in your time of need. There is nobody like God that can come into your moment of need and reach down into your situation and make something that seems impossible possible. Make you feel at peace even in the middle of your storm. And so Asa, as he looks out amongst this army that is overwhelming to him, says, Lord, there is no one like you to help the powerless against the mighty. Help us, Lord our God, for we rely on you. And in your name, we have come against this vast army. Lord, you are our God. There's something about taking ownership of that fact. Lord, you are my God. Lord, I have the right as a son or daughter to call on your name. Lord, I walk in fellowship with you, hand in hand with you. I need you. Don't you know that we do serve a loving God that's just waiting for you to call on him? But here's the part that I love perhaps the most. Lord, you are our God. We rely on you. In your name, we have come against this vast army. But then it gets real for a moment. Lord, don't let mere mortals prevail against you. Lord, 
Don't let humanity prevail against you. Verse 12, something crazy happens. The Bible says the Lord struck down the Cushites before Asa and Judah. The Cushites fled and Asa and his army pursued them for as far as Gerar. Such a great number of Cushites fell, folks, that they could not recover. They were crushed. Say crushed. They were crushed before the Lord and his forces. The men of Judah carried off a large amount of plunder. They destroyed all the villages around Gerar, for the terror of the Lord had fallen on them. They looted those villages. They got plunder. In verse 15, they attacked the camps of herders, carried off droves of sheep and goats. Folks, they not only won the battle, but it was an outright rout. Because there's just something about calling on the name of God in your time of need that enables you to tap into a source far beyond your own. I don't know what situation you've come into the building with this morning, but I'm here to tell you if you just call out on God, if you just look to him, the author and finisher of your salvation, he will always be present for you and always able to help you in time of trouble. Can I get an amen? When Asa faces insurmountable odds, he doesn't run away from the situation. He doesn't run away from the battle. He lifts up his head and prays that very simple prayer. Lord, your God, do not let man stand in your way. Folks, can I tell you the amount of trust that Asa had in God? We're, we're not talking about a king that just said a simple prayer, Brother Desi. I think it was a Hail Mary pass if ever I've read one. Anybody watching football later on today? I know my brother back there, he's got that Baltimore Ravens sweater on. He's going to be watching. I see you, bud. You know what? This prayer was not one where he stood back and he said, Lord, Lord my God, please, if you will, save me. But I can save myself if you fail. That's not what I read. What I just read was, Lord, in Nathan's vernacular, if I can, Lord, if you don't show up, we're going to get blasted. Lord, if you don't show up, this situation is going to turn bad really fast. And back in that day when kings were beaten, their thumbs were chopped off. If they were lucky, they just got to sit underneath the table for a few years and eat the scraps off the other king's table before they died. Folks, it was a dire situation. So when Asa steps out, it is in pure faith that God is going to be the God that his father had when his father called on God. Lord, I know that you're able. Lord, I know you're willing. Lord, I know that you can. So I'm going to step out in faith and I'm going to believe that you will. Folks, we need to start getting some Holy Ghost gumption about us uh, saying, I know who my Father is. Uh, I know in whom I believe. Uh, I know who you are. And so by faith, uh, I'm going to step out and believe that you will. He was not hiding behind the hope that his army was going to do anything. He understood his army was outgunned and outnumbered. The Hail Mary pass had been thrown. But in the middle of that prayer, he understood something amazing. Lord, don't let flesh prevail against you. 
Can I tell you something? It might have been that. He said, don't let that flesh prevail against you. But I think there's something else. Lord, don't let me get in the way of what you want to do. Lord, don't let me get in the way of you coming and saving the day. Folks, you and I have a good way of getting in the way of God so many times. I told you I'm going to preach like I'm home. Because I love you. God sent me here. Folks, it is high time that you and I learn to wait on him. It's high time that you and I learn to trust in him. It is high time that you and I learn to put our faith and our trust in God and see what he will do. The reaction by Asa is one of great confidence. He's not phased by the odds or the impending disaster that could befall them. His trust is in the Lord. So the question becomes, how do you develop faith like that? I don't know about you, but when I read that, I wanted to know, how could you stand in front of that many people and have that kind of faith? I want some of that. I need some of that. Can I just be honest with you this morning? I need that kind of faith. In the world that I live in today, the situations in my life, I need to know God is present, God is working, God will be there. Can I tell you how I think he got that faith? And your pastor, he's a Bible scholar galore. I avoided taking any of his classes because he would have murdered me in his class. <laughs> but I love him dearly. He's also very smart. He'll correct me if I'm wrong. But I'll tell you how I think he got that understanding of who God was. The chapter starts off, remember, the chapter starts off with this. He was seeking the favor of God. He was seeking God out. There wasn't any hope that God would just randomly show up at some other time. The Bible starts out, with Asa taking care of business in his kingdom first. Folks, you and I today, we serve a loving, caring, all-knowing father. Your pastor had the word from the Lord today. And that is that hit home for me. Thank you for being used of the Lord. The Lord knows us, he sees us, and he loves us. And in Asa's case, there was a relationship that had to begin and had to form, and he had to walk with him, and he had to develop faith in baby steps. Lord, if I take care of this in my kingdom, will you walk with me? Lord, if I get rid of the things that have been in my life for so long, will you walk with me? And I believe the Lord said, yes, I will. You get rid of the Asherah poles, I'll start walking with you. I'll start showing favor with you. You start tearing down the idols to other things, I'll start showing you what kind of God I am. Folks, I don't know what you have exalted in your life today if you have. But I'm here to tell you, if you just start walking by faith, you start taking care of what you can take care of in your life. Believe me, God will come and begin to show himself strong and begin to show himself a God that loves loves you, walks with you, cares for you, and desires to know you more. Can I be transparent and honest with you today? There were times in my life where I would come to church. I have, I've come to church my whole entire life. Doesn't mean I served the Lord my whole entire life. Just being honest with you now. Can I be that transparent? I came to church my whole entire life. Doesn't mean I served the Lord my whole entire life. Pastor, I got really good at playing church. I could sit on the pew 
and I could fake out just about anybody that was there. There were a couple of elders that had my number. It's always the elders that get you. But I would come, I would sit on the pew and I would go through the motions, but inside my heart was not in it because God had not become real to me. I had seen him walk with my mom. I had seen him walk with my dad, but I had some things in my own life that God had to answer some questions for in my life. And he wasn't touching me like that. So as a result, I said, well, God, I don't really need you. Can I be real with you? Have we ever had a moment like that? Am I the only one? If so, I'll turn the mic over and start repenting right here, right now. Elder, you can pray for me. There was a time in my life where God was not as real to me as he should have been. But you know, in the desperation of our life, in the situations that you and I go through, God becomes awfully real when we're looking for him. There was a moment in my life that I came to the altar and I said, Lord, my life is turned upside down. I hate myself. I hate the situations that I'm in. I hate everything about me. Lord, can you help me? Can I tell you something that really ticks me off? He didn't just fix the problem. You thought I was going a completely different direction, didn't you? Sometimes he does. But our father knows what's best for us. And in my case, there was a situation where, buddy, you got to start cleaning up some things. You got to start seeking me with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your might. You have to start putting me first, seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness. I'll start adding these things to you folks. It wasn't too much longer. I started doing more, it was more in my word, more in prayer, started doing more, trying to attain that relationship with him. Do you know that the very small steps that I took forward, God made giant leaps to me. And in moments in my life where depression would have overwhelmed me, all of a sudden God's spirit would come in and it would begin to touch my heart, begin to touch my soul. Many a time in my living room where I couldn't, felt like I could not pray, I could not get a hold of God, God at the mention of his name came in and began to soften my heart, began to give me peace that passes all understanding. Why? Because just like Asa, there was a moment where I understood if I start preparing my heart for the King of Kings and Lord of Lords to dwell and come in, he will. He's faithful to do it. When you align yourself with God, you walk with will and purpose. You walk in the will and purpose of the Lord. He will direct your steps. How many know he will direct your steps? I don't think it's any coincidence that he experiences some years of rest and peace the way that he does. Why? Because he was walking after the Lord and he was allowing his steps to be ordered of the Lord. When you do that, you experience what only God can give. Folks, it's not worth it to try and do it on your own. I'll leave that there. Don't try to do it on your own. You have such a wonderful church here such a group of people, folks, don't try to do this thing on your own. Tap into the body of Christ. Tap into the source of strength, which is Jesus Christ. Amen? How many other kings do you know of when you read it did not follow this path or did not follow this way of thinking? Nearly all of them? Seems like anyway, doesn't it? Seems like when you read it, it's just one king after another not doing what they needed to do. Folks, sometimes in life when you look around, 
People might not be doing things that you think they should be doing, but that doesn't necessarily mean that you stop. You keep right on plugging. You keep right on believing. You keep right on doing what you need to do. Can I preach faith to you today? Can I preach an understanding that folks, faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God. I'm preaching faith to you today, believing that when you walk out of this place today, you're gonna have an understanding that God is in fact with me. He has empowered me through the Holy Ghost to do exactly what I have need of in my life so that I can become closer to him. You can't do it on your own. That's why sometimes it becomes so frustrating and so difficult. You can't do this on your own. You need the Holy Ghost. But Asa understood that. Asa understood, pastor, that it took a relationship with God. It took walking towards God. It took laying aside the weight and sins which so easily beset us. It took getting to a place where, Lord, you are the only thing that matters. When he got there, folks, that's how he was able to stand in front of a vast army overwhelmed and say, Lord, I know, I know that you'll deliver me. I know you will. Walking in faith with him each and every day. Each and every day. And saying, Lord, I don't want to get in your way of what you want to do in my life. How many people want the Lord to have free reign and free control in your life? Amen. That's what I want. That's what I want this morning. I want God to have free reign in my life. I don't want to get in his way. Part of that is just simply bending your will to his. Not my will, but thy will be done. Lord, let me humble myself before you and say that you are my God. I am your child. I will follow after you. I see a very similar situation in another king. Go back to 1 Samuel chapter 17. It talks about David and Goliath. In that story, David had a couple of things going for him. He had confidence in a God that had never failed him and a willingness to place himself in the hands of God even when his life depended on it. See, these kings all have very similar traits. When their life is on the line, they're not doing it in their own strength and ability. They're trusting in God. I would to God that his church get that today. I would to God that our church would get that today. Something interesting happens in the case of David. Is that all right? Is this the direction okay? Something very interesting happens in the case of David, Brother Desi. David, when he puts his life on the line and trusts in God, there is a backstory that you and I may not be familiar with. I'll take you back. He first went to the king to tackle this idea of taking on this giant. The king did something very interesting. He tried to fit him out with what? Armor. His armor, to be exact. Something comforting about armor. Can I be honest with you? You and I go into battle together. I'm not going out like this. You and I play paintball together. I'm going to be padded up. Okay? I'm going to be padded up. And I might steal some of yours. Because I don't like to hurt. 
But see, in life, we don't like to hurt, so we pat ourselves up. The problem is, is that in that situation, you become more reliant on your armor than you are on God. Folks, it's not that David didn't want the armor. He tried it on. It didn't fit. It's not like David didn't want armor on. He tried it on and it didn't work out. Saul was way taller than he was. See, he was forced into a situation that he probably didn't want to be in. He knew he had to deal with the giant, but it's not like they had armor on the go where there was a tailor out on the battlefield taking measurements. You wait right there and just banging out armor so he could put it on. Folks, in life, can I tell you, situations are going to come that you are not prepared for. Situations are going to come that are overwhelming, that will try to take you out, and you don't have time to bang out armor to put it on. You have to learn to wait on the Lord. You have to learn to trust in the Lord. What is this weird preacher preaching today? He's saying there has to be something of value within you already that when you go and face the giant, you go and face the overwhelming armor, there has to be something of substance that is already there. You can't face the giant, you can't face the army without having a relationship already working with God. When you do that, you are, you are guaranteed to fail. How do I know? I did the boy, remember the boy that sat on the pew that came to church but didn't do church? I tried, Brother Desi, to the best of my ability, I tried to be that person that played it all right, did it all right, put on the armor, did everything that I could to protect myself. But at the end of the day, folks, at the end of the day, a situation of life came to my family. I thought it was the end of the world. My dad had rheumatoid arthritis. Those of you who don't know or have had it yourself, you know, you don't heal from that. To the point where my father was crippled. Many of you don't know this. That's because the Lord healed my father. My father, my hero, six foot seven, all six foot seven of them, couldn't even pick up a spoon to feed himself. 15 year old boy doing church. I hated God. I hated God because my father, my hero, was always doing the work of God for himself, always giving, always doing. Yet here's a situation he can't even feed himself. My sister has cancer and is dying. My cousin has cancer, dying, all in their early 30s, by the way. Don't know if they're going to make it out. Don't know if I'm going to inherit nephew and nieces at the ripe old age of 15. They're dying. Don't know what to do with that. Our church went through a situation. It was like hell on earth. Y'all are blessed to have a church that loves each other. Folks, give yourself a round of applause. You love God, you love each other. That's not every church, by the way. Going through a situation where there were, I won't go into details, but it was a mess. Sometimes churches go through messes. At the end of all of that, I said, how could God do this to me? How could God do this to my family? How could God, folks, do you see how that plays out? You fill in the blank. Maybe your situation is different. Maybe you can plug and play the situation different. But it usually ends up with how could God do this? 
How could this happen to me? Here's the story in my father's situation anyway. I remember sitting in a restaurant in Lancaster. It was a very rare occurrence that we were able to get out. My dad loved, how many love Lancaster food? You know what I'm talking about. Yeah. I didn't get to be this big by not liking it. <laughs> I like it. 15, I liked it too. I remember sitting at the table. I remember being so mad at God. So mad. Because there was no substance. I remember looking at my father. And out of my mouth, I promise you, you if the devil could have spoke, it would have came out of my mouth that day. I looked at my father, finger up, all of 15 years old, should have been smacked, put it in my father's face across the table and said, how can you serve a God that does this to you? Because you see, he had, couldn't even get the soup spoon to his mouth. I saw him drop it back down in frustration, tear streaming down his face. How could you serve a God that does this to you? My father, tear in his eye, looked up at me, said, son, God only gives us what's best. That is substance. That is substance. That is a daily walk with God. That in the middle of an army facing you down, in the middle of a giant standing before you, Son, I don't know how this is going to play out, but God only gives us what's best. And that 15-year-old recoiled, my father could have punched me in the face. It would have had less effect. Because in that moment, I realized I had no substance. And in that moment, I realized what real substance was all about. Real walking with God. Real relationship with God. Real daily walk in which you don't know the end of your story and you don't know the outcome. I didn't know how it was going to play out. But in that moment, I knew it was going to be all right. Didn't know how, but I knew it was going to be all right. Because dad had it all together with a relationship with God. Folks, Asa wasn't perfect. We sure as snot know David wasn't perfect. He was a man after God's own heart. Can I tell you that it comes because you have built up substance in your relationship with God. It comes because when the moments that come to try you are there, you have put away a relationship with God on a daily basis. On a daily, say daily basis. On a daily basis that builds up substance, and over time, you learn to trust him. In time, you win small victories each and every day so that when the big one comes, Lord, I can trust you. Lord, I can believe and have faith that you will because you've proven it time and time again. If you would, stand with me as I come to a close. I wish that I could tell you that Asa ended well. I can't. The Bible says that Asa did not end well. For the sake of time, I won't read the whole thing out to you. But in 2 Chronicles chapter 16, it says this, In the 36th year of Asa's reign, Basha, king of Israel, went up against Judah and fortified Ramah 
to prevent anyone from leaving or entering the territory of Asa, king of Judah. Asa had a problem. He once again had somebody on his border trying to attack him, trying to come against him, trying to overturn him. But instead of Asa turning to the Lord, instead of Asa saying, God only gives us what's best, instead of Asa saying, Lord, you've given me victories in times past, I'll trust you to do it again. I'll trust you to walk with me. I'll trust you to be my ever-present time of help. The Bible says that Asa turned to man to fix his problem. It says that Asa went into the temple and he took out gold and sent it off to Ben-Hadad, king of Aram, who was ruling in Damascus, and said, let there be a treaty between me and you. In other words, you protect me. You help me. And when that happens, we'll get the victory. The Bible says that they did, in fact, win the day. Sometimes you do have good solutions to your problem. And, and that is part of the problem. Sometimes we are good problem solvers. So we think we can help God. That's called getting in his way. Because see, here's the problem. God didn't want there to just be a simple moment of peace in his life. God wanted to deliver him again. God wanted to show himself strong to Asa again. God wanted to be his ever-present time of help again. And this is what it says in verse 7. At that time, Hananiah the seer came to Asa, king of Judah, and said to him, because you relied on the king of Aram and not on the Lord your God, the army of the king of Aram has escaped from your hand. God wanted to give him an unprecedented victory again. But because of that, because he got in God's way, God wasn't able to do it. Man got in the way. And he reminds him, were not the Cushites and Libyans a mighty army with great numbers of chariots and horsemen? Yet when you relied on the Lord, he delivered them into your hand. For the eyes of the Lord range throughout the earth to strengthen those whose hearts are fully committed to him. Folks, he is for you today. His eyes are searching for those that are fully committed to him to bless you, to keep you, to fight your battle, to be your God. Amen. Do you believe that today? Is there somebody that believes that today, that God is looking for those that are fully committed to him? Because I'm here to tell you that's the truth. He is. But the way that this ends is rather unfortunate. Asa was disappointed with the news that Hananiah the seer brought. The Bible says that he cast him into prison. I'm going through as quickly as I can. Cast him into prison. And the Bible says that Asa, in verse 12, in the 39th year of Asa's reign, was afflicted with a disease in his feet. And though his disease was severe, even in his illness, he did not seek help from the Lord, but only physicians. And then in the 41st year of his reign, he rested with his ancestors. Preacher, what are you saying? You're, you're a tangled mess. I'm standing here. I'm waiting for you to end. 
Folks, what I'm saying is very simple. Put your faith and trust in the Lord. Keep it there. Because you and I, we're not absolved from walking every day with him. Asa had as much faith as any other king before and any king after. But the problem is he got very confident in his own way of doing things and lost sight of who his God was. So much so that when God wanted to give him another victory, he couldn't even see it. And then even when he was personally afflicted with disease, wouldn't turn to God. Folks, let's keep our eyes on the Lord. Let's walk in favor with God this day. And if you have trusted in self, if you have trusted in people, if you have trusted in situations of life, I'm here today to tell you, let's abandon all of that and go back to the one that is able to deliver you, is able to set you free, is able to walk strong with you. Because I'm here to tell you, a 15-year-old boy found out real quick what King Asa and King David found out. The Lord does care. The Lord is present. That 15-year-old boy came back to the altar and said, God, if you will, I will. And I was refilled with the Holy Ghost. And now I walk with him. Not perfect. Not perfect by any stretch of the imagination. Still learn to lean on him. But he's there with me. He's present with me. And he'll be present with you. I'm going to turn it over to your pastor but I wonder if right now we can begin to lift our voice. We can begin to lift our hands to the Lord and say, Lord, if there's any situation of my life that I've put in front of you, if I've trusted in people or if I've trusted in self before you, Lord, I pray that you would forgive me. I pray that you would help me, enable me. Lord, I am here today to put my focus on you. Hallelujah, hallelujah. This altar is open. Would you come and talk to him? If you're not comfortable in the altar in your pew, would you just make this a house of prayer? If you're new to God or your relationship with Christ, would you ask him, what's my first step to take?